Welcome to the Business Life and Joy podcast, where we believe that both your business and your life can be filled with joy. If you want to grow an online business without fear, self-doubt, or the need to take on a hustle around the clock mindset, you are in the right place at the right time. I'm your host, Shante Grant, creative entrepreneur, teacher, two-time online business owner, mom, wife, and friend. Thank you for being present with me for today's episode of the Business Life Enjoy podcast. Hello, friends, and welcome to today's episode of the Business Life Enjoy podcast. Y'all, one of these days, I'm going to get back to the original order of my podcast, but you guys asked so many great questions and so many really good things continue to pop up that I like to respond in real time. And that's one of the beauties of podcasting. So today's episode, episode 93, just came about the week before you're listening to this. I received a really good question. And again, I thought to myself, I want to answer this now. I want to um, not push what could be a challenging or difficult conversation off until later because I actually have episodes planned all the way through April. Um, and so if I wait to put it where it would fall next, you know, this could be a missed opportunity. So today's episode um, was recorded the week before you're listening to it. And my hope for today is that this episode is a conversation starter. And I also hope that you will listen from a place of assuming, well, let's not say assuming, um, of understanding that I am speaking for myself and nothing I am saying is meant to I don't know, I'm trying to choose my words very carefully today. Um, nothing that I'm saying is meant to incite in a negative way. So if that is your response, I really want to encourage you to check yourself first in the mirror. And that's with everything I'm going to say. I want you to check and really question every emotion you feel um, and ask yourself why you feel that way. Don't project it onto anybody else, but ask yourself why you feel whatever it is you may feel as you listen to this episode. Um, I don't know what the title is yet. I was going to wait until I was done talking and then pick an episode title. So I don't know what you've read to get you here. Um, But today we're going to talk about uh, a number of things, but I'm going to tell you the question that was asked of me that sparked this podcast episode. And so that question was, hey, Shantae, How do you find opportunities in the creative entrepreneur space, which feels very, quote unquote, good girls club, good old girls club, without feeling as though you were invited into that space simply so that you can check off a diversity box? So that's the question. And that, of course, opens up a lot of conversation. I'm going to share my experience. Um, I think we have to always be reminded that our thoughts, um, our opinions, the way we feel about things, the, the food we like, the the things we wear, all of that is shaped by our life experiences. So how I feel is might be, well, I was going to say is, or might be at the same time, how I feel about a lot of things, everything in life, it's really shaped by my two things, my faith and my experiences. And I think the same is going to apply to you, um, particularly those of you 
who have a particular strong faith, um, you're going to find, I would imagine, a lot of what you base your decisions on or base what you think and feel and maybe not feel because feelings aren't facts, but you base a lot on the experiences you've had and what they've taught you. And so what they've taught you is what you then start to believe and form beliefs. And then two, your faith, because that's very instructive. Also, my next door neighbor's dog is barking so much. I'm hoping that you can't hear it. That dog. (laughs) Sidebar. Okay. So let's get straight into the conversation. I'm going to start with sharing some of the comments that I received on Instagram. When I mentioned that question, um, when I mentioned that I was going to do impromptu episode, um, some questions that were sent to me via email and my DMs. And then I'm going to share some of my thoughts, some of my experiences so that you can kind of understand what has shaped um, some of the things, some of the ways that I feel. And again, I hope my hope for this episode is that it is a conversation starter. So I do want to remind you, and you're going to hear me say this probably a number of times, that what I'm going to do on Monday when this episode releases is open up conversation in my free Facebook group. I may even go live in there. Um, and you can join that group at shantagrant.com forward slash circle. We're going to have a conversation. And so that conversation can be continued there. Again, that's shantagrant.com forward slash circle. If you'd like to apply to join my free Facebook group, I am going to post um, a thread in there. We talk about each episode of the podcast, but this one in particular, I may even go live and we'll have like a live conversation. Um, and if the conversation is good enough, I may do a Zoom call. Like let's all look each other in the eyes and have a conversation about this. I am willing to do that and to make myself available and to provide a safe space for this conversation to continue because I think there are people on all spectrums, on all parts that have something to say and also want to hear. So with that being said, let's get into the conversation. I don't even know how to categorize this, but let's just really just get into the conversation, shall we? Okay, don't fast forward me, y'all, but you know I need to let you know that today's episode is brought to you by Peace Pace Progress, my premium course that teaches you how to get more profit-generating work done by doing less. Yes, my four-step framework will teach you that you don't have to be team too much. You don't have to do all the things in order for your business to grow. In fact, trying to do all the things is going to actually have the opposite effect. So if you're ready to get off of team too much, if you're ready to stop feeling stretched thin, if you're ready to stop blaming time for your lack of progress and growth, because spoiler alert, time is not the enemy, then you're ready for peace paced progress. This is my premium program that teaches you how to unbusy your business and your life. It teaches you how to get more profit generating work done by doing less. Come learn my four step framework that has caused my students to say that this was the best investment that they've ever made in their business and that this was the total game changer that they needed. You can get on the wait list at peacepaceprogress.com. That's peacepaceprogress.com, which will also be linked in today's show notes at shantegrant.com forward slash 93. Okay, so as a reminder, the question that triggered um, this episode is as follows. Hey, Shante. How do you find opportunities in the creative entrepreneur space, which feels very, quote unquote, good old girls club without feeling as though you are invited into the space simply so that you can check a diversity box? So I want to give this question a little bit of context so you can understand the context in which it was answered. And then I'm going to respond directly to the question and some of the wording. And then I want to talk about 
um, a little bit more bigger picture outside of the specific context in which this question was asked. I want to then share with you some of the comments I received on Instagram, some of the questions I received in my inbox and DMs, and then kind of address the two people who I think um, are going to be listening to this episode. So I'm going to attempt to do a good bit in a short period of time. So first, the context in which this question was asked was primarily from the standpoint of being invited to conferences or workshops and being invited as a speaker, a teacher, a leader of some sort. Um, So this person was asking, you know, how is it that you um, find opportunities to speak, keynote, breakout, lead, teach in some form or fashion at conferences? And then when you do so, how have you managed to find opportunities where you literally are the only person who person of color woman of color and in those situations do you find that you are simply them checking off a box a diversity box I'm going to tell you what I mean by that because I did receive some Instagram DMs direct messages asking like what do you mean by checking a diversity box and what do you mean by good old girls club so I want to be clear I don't want to assume anyone knows what these terms are referring to So what the question means is a lot of times you may notice if you see a roundup, for instance, for a conference or a workshop, you will primarily in the creative space, majority of the time see um, essentially an all white lineup. And then you might see one woman of color, whether that woman is um, any type of woman of color, not just African-American or black American, Asian-American, any woman of color. Right. Um, And so. To the outside, sometimes it appears that the conference director essentially is mindful of the fact that either attendees or the public want to see a quote unquote diverse, meaning not homogenous lineup. And in response to that, some people have kind of looked at their lineup and started to cherry, well, I don't say cherry pick, started to say, okay, we need to add some quote unquote diversity. So let's find a person who we can fill this blank. Um, And so a lot of times it appears that way, especially if you look at the lineup, there's usually just one person. Um, And her question was, were you invited because you're, you're seen to be just as value equally as valuable as the other people? Like, would you have been first choice if your skin was like everybody else's, if your skin was white, essentially? Or were you invited because someone wanted to check a diversity, like say, okay, okay, we have someone who's going to talk about X topic and that topic and that topic, checking those boxes off. Oh, we need someone who looks differently. So we need to pick someone so we can check off that box. That's what she means by simply check a diversity box. And I honestly do believe that is happening quite a bit. Um, I know for a fact, um, I have actually been... On the receiving end of that, um, where I, it wasn't until after the fact, after I'd gone through the experience, realized and felt, believe that I was asked not first and foremost because of what I can bring to the table and the value that I can bring, but because someone spoke highly of me and I also happened to not be white. Just, I mean, that's just what it is. Um, and so I did get a question in, 
questions in the DM too. Like, how do you then know if you're a checkbox? Like, how do you know you shouldn't assume that? So lots of good questions and comments. And I'm just going to talk out and share some of my experiences. I'm not going to talk specifically about this event um, in which this happened to me because I don't want to do that. I don't want to, I know I respect a lot of the people who continue to attend and speak and teach at this event. And I'm not going to do that, but I will be happy to share um, what I feel comfortable sharing there. Um, and you're welcome to, if we ever meet in person, ask me more details and I will speak very candidly if you ever find me in person, be happy to talk to you about it. Um, but let's get to this long list of things. So I just wanted to give some context to the question. So first of all, to the person who asked me this question in the context in which you asked it, um, I have been really fortunate in, with the exception of one conference, which I attended last year, I've only applied to speak at that one conference um, of all the conferences I've spoken at since then. And the other realms I've been sought after and I have not always said yes. Um, there were a number of reasons why I've declined to speak at different um, events or conferences, but how do I respond with a yes and without knowing? You know, you don't. Sometimes I don't. Um, I think I'm getting better at it and some of the things I've learned from 2018 are to ask better questions about um, what they want from me, what they expect from me. For instance, what do you want me to speak about? How did you find out about me? Um, if you actually come in and you know the area you want me to talk about and it's what I actually teach, um, I think that's a little bit different than saying, oh, we just want you. You can tell us what you want to talk about. To me, that might start to feel a little bit about like, we just need to fill a void and you come in and talk about what you want to talk about. Um, although sometimes people really genuinely, they want you so bad because of you. Um, they could give you that freedom to give you some choice. But I think for me now, like looking going forward and, and determining what type of opportunities I want to take on, I want to look at the event. I want to look at the person who is hosting the event, um, do more research on that person. Um, and, and also this is because my time is far more limited now and me choosing to take time to be away from my home, my work, um, my family, my clients, although it is, it is my work as well. Um, I want to be very intentional and make sure I'm, I'm choosing well, wisely, not only because, and because, because of all those reasons and because, um, I know that wherever I go, I'm bringing great value. And I want everyone listening to know that, um, those of you who are interested in speaking and I have an episode coming soon, all about speaking because I've had a lot of great questions about that. And I have, I have a guest coming on um, to talk to you all about that. But I think I would advise to one, know your worth. And I'm actually getting into some of my later comment commentary. But I think for me, um, I am more aware of that now, essentially, than I was when I first started out, right? When I first started out, like 2018, my goal was to book one speaking engagement. I was like, and that, so in 2017, when I thought about 2018, I said, I want to book one speaking engagement. And before 2018 even hit, I think I had three already on the books. So I was just excited just for anyone to offer me an opportunity. And I have since learned a lot. And so I will be much more careful about where I am choosing to spend my time 
the question says feels. And so the thing I like to always say is about feelings aren't facts. I want to get as much factual information as I can before assuming that I've been asked to bring in, come in to check a diversity box. So I don't want to go in assuming that someone is coming from a bad place. Um, even in the in the situation I was in where I ended up learning that I was there to check a box. I didn't know that until I went there, experienced the entire thing and toward the very end, like it took the full on experience to be able to realize that, um, that my presence um, and what I brought to the table and who I, me as a human was, mm, yeah, it took that to be able to understand it. And I think I'll be able to better identify that in the future going forward because I've been able to now see it and experience it with my own eyes. Um, but for the person out there who is asking it when it comes to like being invited to be a, a, a leader, a speaker, you know, someone who is um, coming to say, I have information to share with you, because I think everyone who comes to conferences, including the attendees, have value to bring and to share. That's the beauty of conferences um, is you get to bring all that and mix it together and share with one another and brainstorm with one another. But um, I would tell you to do your research, look at the person who is hosting, look at their Look at them, watch them. Um, I think you'll be able to really get a sense because um, there are some clear cues that had I done that on the front end, I would have probably picked up on that before I ever set foot into this comp, to this event um, where I had that experience. Um, as far as the quote unquote good old girls club that was refer- referred to in the person who asked me in DMs, what does that mean? If you've ever heard of the term good old boys club, same thing, but just girls. Essentially, that's just a group of white women who, um, I mean, they do, they do what a lot of people do, support one another, um, choose each other, exclusive a lot. There's a feeling of exclusivity, of privilege, of shared resources, but only amongst that group. And um, that group is very homogenous. So that is what the term quote unquote, good old girls club means. And that's, so that's all in reference to the specific question that I was asked. I want to take that and look bigger picture because so many of the comments and the DMs that I received were more global than that, right? So one of the things that I heard the most in my, from you all was that this is an issue far outside of just creative entrepreneurship people were DMing me saying, Hey, I'm in corporate, I'm in this, I work in the government. And this is an issue of always bringing on the one person to check the diversity box. And let me remind you guys that I worked in a law firm, I worked in a legal profession. And so that exists everywhere. I I do acknowledge that. And I actually remember from my summers working in, in large firms, remembering clients who required a diverse set of people on their team, um, on their legal team. And so this is happening everywhere. This is happening a lot of more places than the creative entrepreneur space. The person who asked this, however, was asking about that space because that's one in particular that she's in and that she sees, you know, um, the issue. So 
that was one of the comments that I definitely saw a lot was, hey, this is happening everywhere. This is happening where I work and people were just listing different places where they work and it ran a huge gamut. I had artists respond and I had people who are in corporate. I had people who say they work for the government, people who say they work in like private sector, like a little bit of everything saying this is an issue. That's why I said this cannot be, you know, um, this conversation is a conversation starter. It's not a dissertation with an answer or a solution to a much more global problem. But the first thing is to acknowledge that it's not just happening in one sector or one subsect of, of you know, it's not just an entrepreneurial space, essentially. Um, another comment, I have all my comments that I received written down because I wanted to address each one. Another comment that I received says, hey, you know what, you can't make actually, yeah, you can't make everything about race. Um, kind of just tired of everything being a racial blame blame game. And to that person, um, again, I hope you're listening. And I I invite you to ask yourself why you feel that way. And that's what I'm inviting everyone to do. Um, no matter how it is you leave feeling here, I want you to question why you feel that way. Not saying it's wrong or right, but I want you to ask yourself, why am I responding this way? First of all, that question doesn't assume someone's making quote unquote everything about race. The question comes from a place of, I really have a, a a desire to do something, but I only want to, but I also have a desire not to just be someone's check in the box. And while some people may honestly feel like, I don't care if I'm someone's check in the box, it's giving me an opportunity and a place and a space to speak. That's That's someone else, that could be someone's valid response. And so I also... I think I already said this as a caveat, but I'm speaking for me and I don't speak for every woman of color because we're, we're all different and we all have different perspectives and feelings and thoughts about this. Um, so to the person who says you can't make everything about race, um, yeah, we're not. So no worries there. And if you don't want to engage in this conversation, then that's the beautiful thing. You can just hit pause, play, delete, whatever you like, unfollow, do that. Okay, um, let's see. Another comment that I received says, if you're invited somewhere, you should assume it's because you're great and not, not try to read people's minds. Um, I don't really have much of a response to that comment, but I wanted to share the thoughts that were kind of, that my conversation on Instagram kind of shared. Um, you're right, you shouldn't assume the worst. I wouldn't pick to go somewhere where I'm assuming the worst um, and also not trying to read people's minds, but you can... Um, I believe that what's in a person's heart and mind shows up in their hands and mouth. So I do believe watching the works of people's hands and the things that they say, how they treat people, um, how they champion others, how they encourage or not encourage others and their circle. Um, who are they surrounding themselves with? And that's something that I have the freedom and right to do, just like you have the freedom and right not to. Um, another question that we received on Instagram was, how do you know for sure you were just there to check a box? That was a good question. Um, I think this could look a number of different ways. For me, a few of the ways that I, I surmised that um, my experience was like that was um, looking at the very apparent dichotomy between how I was treated and other lineup speakers later learning some information about compensation discrepancy, later learning some, and also um, just in general, when 
Um, I had some things that came up and the the zero, like what I want to say, lack of concern, like the zero percent concern about me and my son and our safety just really treated like I wasn't there. <laughs> um, and it was because I wasn't brought on as a person of value, but a person who I know can speak articulate, you know, who can articulate well and stand here, but wasn't of value to the entire experience by the, by the leader. Um, let's see. Um, and so for other people, you know, that can be a part of the conversation of how, you know, you're there to check a box. Um, there's so many different ways that could look. I would really start with why did that person want you there? I think that's a good question. And I don't think you're wrong to ask that. Um, you know, what in particular, have that conversation. What in particular um, made you think of me? Why did you think I would be a good fit? What have you heard me teach um, or heard someone mention about me that would be a good fit here? And if that person can't answer those questions, um, I think that's a little, you know, for me, for instance, on this podcast, in order to get on this podcast, every single guest that has been on this podcast is someone that I know I've actually worked with, met in person, done something with, or actually that is all of those things are true, right? And then there are some people who I followed for a long time and I just think would be really great guests. Um, but actually now I think about it, all those people I've met in real life too. So for me, I have a s- specific reason why I want them on and 0% of the time does it have to do with their race um, or anything other than the fact that I think they are a great fit for business life and joy. I think um, what they're doing is something I want to share with my audience Um so I can answer those questions if they want to know. Um, it's not, oh, well, I want you to be on the podcast because I want to have a diverse group of voices. I care about having a diverse group of voices. So innately, the people that I'm looking at and, and following um, in some form or fashion brings different things to the table, different experiences, different stories, um, something about them. And so I think if that's your intention, you'll, you'll bring that to the table. If my intention is to be homogenous, I'll be homogenous. If my intention is to bring different perspectives and stories in that have an underlying theme right here, the theme is business life and joy. Like I need to see you actually enjoying your life and your business and the work that you do. That is a common thing. So there is that sense of that common thread. But I think those are good ways to know if you're there to check a box. Find out why that person actually, like what is it they think you're gonna bring to the table? Um, I think that's a really good way to kind of start and something that I know I want to do going forward. Um, Let's see, another comment that I had was, Okay, here's a question that I received. It says, what can I do when I hear or see a conversation um, in which diversity is done all wrong? What can I say when I hear comments from coworkers that essentially amount to the quote unquote token black girl, especially when they're in leadership and authority roles over me? Okay, Um. Let's see here. Oh, I was supposed to give, I think I already gave my disclaimer that, um, yeah, I'm looking at my notes in order. Okay, so that to that question, what can I do? Of course, this question came from um, a white woman. Um, what can I do when I hear or see a conversation, or I guess hear a conversation in which diversity is done all wrong? So I guess um, my my answer to that is say something. If you are working in an environment and under people who you cannot respectfully and kindly have a conversation with 
about uncomfortable things, then you're probably in a work environment you need to get out of anyway. If I can't talk to you about something that matters and something that's important and do it respectfully, if I can't disagree with you and do it respectfully, then I probably don't need to work there. Now, again, if you're talking to your boss, you don't need to be in the break room telling him or her why she is wrong. But a knock on their door and a one-on-one conversation respectfully, um, I think should always be welcome. So I think when you see this or you hear this, you say something immediately. You would do that if you heard someone saying something wrong on another topic, most likely, right? If someone were, I don't know, I don't want to, I like analogies, but sometimes people are like, oh, those two things are the same. Um, but essentially you would say something, you would speak up and do that. And here's the thing. It's vital that you do that. You can't, you can't put standing up for quote unquote diversity, which maybe we should have started with a definition of that. Um, standing up for what's right on the person who's wronged shoulder, Right. I can't be the one who always has to say, hey, you know what? That's actually an offensive thing or that's wrong. What needs to happen is you need to check your people. So that means my white sister, when you hear your white sister saying things that are ignorant, wrong, harmful, mean, hateful, filled, check it and check it fast. If it's in the workplace, you have to do it in the reference of that workplace. But saying, okay, I'm going to talk to them later or, you know, I say, check it. You would do it for something else. That's the thing. If they were in there saying those things about your child or something else, you would say something. And if you are afraid to do that, I want you to check yourself and ask yourself why. So when you hear that comment or that conversation, um, say something. Now, again, how you say it respectfully, tactfully, it depends on the situation and who's making the comments, whether it needs to be in a more one-on-one setting. You know, hey, I heard you talking earlier and I just want to mention, you know, I heard you say X, Y, and Z. And and really, can we talk about that a little bit? You know, something along those lines. Um, so that's my first answer to that. And then what can I say when I hear comments from coworkers that essentially amount to the quote unquote token black girl, especially when they're in leadership and authority role over me, then you pull, you talk to them on a one-on-one level. You talk to them, um, because you want to be respectful. You're not trying to call anyone out. And really, if you want to get somewhere with someone, you want to be able to sit down and, and honestly speak, um, and give them a space, a safe space to speak to, because it's hard for someone who might be in leadership to have that conversation and really become vulnerable and acknowledge their wrongs in front of the people they're supposed to be leading. Right. Um, So you give them that respect they're due, but you can have that conversation with anybody. Um, I'll have that conversation with my mom, with the president, with the whomever um, because no one is, is free from being, you know, checked when they're wrong. So that's what you would do. You respectfully talk to them about that and share with them, what the offense is because here's the thing you don't have to be black to be offended when someone is saying something that is racist or wrong or hate-filled so let's break that myth you know if you're offended say something um i think it's going to take that because what happens is if i say something it's like well of course you're just so sensitive just like i received some of those comments in my dms right I'm assumed to be sensitive because um, 
people who look like me are the target of the joke or the target of the statement. So it's going to take you, someone who's not the target of the statement, to say, no, this is offensive even to me and here's why. This is incorrect and here's why. That is so necessary. That is so vital that if we don't have that, we won't have progress. We won't be able um you won't be able to, to incite the change that I think so many of you are trying to be or want or desire to be. So my first thing is to tell you to speak up. It's okay. I don't mind being unpopular. Popularity has never been um, my desire. And a lot of people who do their glory days of their life were spent in high school. And that's a real sad. So I'd rather be right. And on the side of right and integrity and truth. of the time. So uh, that's the answer. It sounds really simple, but it's because it is. Um, It's not easy, but I do think it's simple. So um, let me know if you have any follow-up questions to to that or any additional insights, um, anyone to that person's question. Um, I, I really would love to hear that. So the next question was, how do I assist in redirecting? Oh, this is still part of that chain of questions. How do I assist in redirecting these conversations? And that's it by, by, by inputting, you know, there's no way you're going to help redirect a conversation you don't get involved in. And again, read the room, do it in a way, be smart, right? Um, he who wins a person over, you have to be wise. You have to be able to, to figure out how to get into that conversation in a way that you'll be heard. Um, so it's not going to be maybe being violent, although, or not violent physically, but being like, oh no, no, you didn't, you know, it doesn't take all that. Now, sometimes you might, you know, take you there, but I think let's be wise. How can I have a conversation with you where you're going to actually hear me? And then also be able to accept that some people just don't have ears to hear at the moment. And what you could be doing is planting a seed that someone else will come along and water and then let you know, the enlightenment happen in in future days, hours, minutes, weeks, whatever, right? Because a lot of times what you're also doing, um, it's really hard to unring a bell and it takes a lot learner to unlearn something than it does to learn something. So those are things I like to keep in mind as well. Um, Which reminds me, someone else wrote in the DMs, you know, we really need to give one another grace, Um both ways, you know, blacks give grace to whites, whites give grace to blacks. And, um, you know, there are so many like cliche things floating around in, in the internet space that sometimes I just have to eye roll. And I'm all here for unmerited favor, right? I'm grateful for God's grace. Um, grateful for humans who give me grace when I error. But this ain't one of them times, (laughs) to put it simply. That's not to say, you know, you deserve your head chopped off for making a wrong call or a wrong move or having a bad intent. But we're going to have a conversation because grace is kind of like, okay, we're going to let this one slide. And no, that's almost like the person who says, I overheard my 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 coworker saying something, but I, did, I chose to have grace. No, you need to get in her face and talk to her, right? Again, respectfully. Um, so I respectfully disagree, my, my friend, in the DMs about that um, part of it, because I think there's been so much of that, so much um, 
eggshell stepping, like I don't want to do that, that that's also have, has led to a part of the problem that this is a conversation no one wants to have because we want to, it's not that bad or it's okay or they don't know better. Well, you know what? Let's educate them. Let's educate, educate, you educate me, I educate you. Um, and grace is wonderful. I'm grateful for grace, but this, this just ain't one of them places. I had to get real, you know, this just, no, hashtag not here. Hashtag it's an opportunity to teach and to learn, um, from both ends. I do think that's the case. Um, how can I talk about it in an authentic way without it being the elephant in the room that we brush over? So the elephant in the room is the thing we brush over. We're not going to do that. We're going to bring it to the forefront. It is going to become the the whiteboard in the room, the microphone in the room, the the agenda in the room is what we are going to talk about it is when you choose not to or brush it off or do things like, no, nah, man, that's not right. Or <laughs> don't say that. That is that's brushing it off. So when you choose to be silent, your silence is more of a threat than than anything else. Right. Because that is a implicit or an implied like agreeance to the ignorance that is taking place around you. So all those were wonderful questions. And I'm thanking you so much for submitting those questions. But the way, yeah, you don't, the way you talk about an authentic way is you literally just talk about it. It's not hard. I think that's number one. Understand that it's difficult in the fact that it's uncomfortable, but it's really simple. Talk, open your mouth, ask your questions and share. White people, my white sisters, talk to your other white sisters. Have the conversations. Don't bring all the conversation to your Asian sisters, your Black or African-American sister, like don't come to the women of color to have all the conversations. You don't have to convince us like we 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 are aware of the of the issues, but talk to one another. Now, if you want to talk to one another and I'm not saying not to speak and ask us questions, but the people who need to be having these conversations are (laughs) y'all. Does that make sense? Um, So, yeah. And. I don't know if I stated this in the beginning. I think I did, but just in case I didn't, I want to bring it back. I look at everything through two lenses, faith first and experience. And so because of that, I honestly believe I am of the belief. And I think this might be later on in my notes um, that we are all as human beings, families, family, right? That you listening right now, you are my sister, no matter what, when you look down at your hand, you see you literally are my sister. Now you can do some stuff that make me disinherit you, <laughs> right? But you're my sister. So first and foremost, I stand with you as a woman, you know, women, because we also as women, no matter what our, you know, your hand looks like when you look down, have enough stuff we're trying to battle and fight, right? Right. Um, so why create another category to now divide ourselves? Um, so that's when I say, when I say my white sister, I really literally mean that. So I just wanted to make sure I put that out there that those are two things that shape how I view things and think through things and respond to things is my faith and my experiences, which I think is true of a lot of you who are listening. 
Hey friend, it's me, Shantae, coming right in the middle of our conversation in this podcast episode, but it's with good news. I have a question for you. Have you ever found yourself at the end of the day or the week or the end of the month with little to no results to show for it, despite the fact that you were so quote unquote busy the entire time? Well, guess what, my friend, you're not alone. And most importantly, this does not have to be your story. I want to tell you and introduce you to my brand new training called Peace, Pace, Progress. It teaches you how to get work done that matters, how to go from big picture goals all the way down to the day-to-day activities and how to get specific and leave the generic and general out of your plans and so much more. Are you tired of filling notebooks with ideas that never happen? Well, let Peace Pace Progress help you sort through those ideas and teach you which ideas to prioritize and which to trash so that you can begin to see tangible, measurable results in your business. So my friend, what are you waiting for? It's time to put an end to no longer having a system that works. No more working on several things at once and not accomplishing anything that makes your business money. Don't go another day wasting your precious time. So today is the day for peace, pace, and progress in your business. Find out why Dion says, so I just finished Shantae's Peace Pace Progress course and it is everything. From the very beginning of the course, everything resonated. I was definitely team too much. I was grinding for hours on end and into the wee hours of the morning. And now after Peace Pace Progress, when I look back, very little of what I was doing really accomplished anything to move my business forward. Now I know exactly how to do that. Stephanie says, I finished Peace Pace Progress and loved it. I've always felt a lot of anxiety about feeling like I should be doing so much to get things accomplished, but it was hard to get that broken down into specific steps and timelines for some reason. But now, thanks to Peace Pace Progress, I've got my weekly and daily workflows filled out and I know exactly what I should be doing. So are you ready to get things done, make the most of your time, and get more done in less time? If so, head on over to peacepaceprogress.com to learn more, my friend. I'll see you there. So those are the questions that I received in the DM. So I wanted to answer those first. Um, Wow, this is getting long, so I'm going to keep going. Um, And now I want to give you a few thoughts. And then here's some of the things I wrote down. Oh, I think some of my thoughts have already have things I've already said. So this is good. The first thing I wrote down is that I want to acknowledge that this is a conversation starter. I've said that already. It's not to be a full on thesis or dissertation to flesh out and solve a much more global issue. So please join me in the Facebook group. We're going to have um, more conversation about this. And if we get enough interest, I'm very happy to host a Zoom call to have like an open conversation. Um, but you can join the group at shantagrant.com forward slash circle. Number two, I've said this already as well, but it's worth saying again, every thought expressed here is my own. And do not take me to speak on behalf of every woman of color. Um, we all have varying opinions and experiences. In fact, the person who wrote, let's not make everything about race, was actually a Black American woman. So don't assume that every that I speak for everyone and that everyone thinks the way that I do, right? And oh, here's the third thing. I wanted to share um, a f- about a few of my experiences that I think do shape some of my thoughts. Um, and so I wrote that down. You know, it's interesting because I try to think back and say, like, when did I really start it, start to have this understanding of race? I thought, like, to my childhood, I grew where I grew up when I was really, really young was predominantly, um, 
around African-Americans. And then when we moved um, to where my parents still live to this day, it was predominantly white. And but I don't have a memory of feeling any different. Um, I grew up, you guys have heard me say this a lot, highly competitive, um, wanting to be the best. And none of that really changed um, in any environment I was in. So I was excelling in first grade and remember bringing trophies home in first grade when I was in Miss Breakfield's class. I remember um, having that same drive when we moved and um, things looked different, wanting to be in the gifted class. And I came into an area, this was, I think, seventh grade, um, where I was in a school with people I didn't know. But I don't, I don't just, I don't have a memory of really like dealing with issues of race um, in my childhood. However, in college, I attended a school called Furman University, which is here in Greenville, South Carolina, where I currently live. And I think at the time I was a student at Furman, the school was like 4%, maybe 2% non-white. Like it was the opposite of HBCU, I used to say. But I loved um, the school when I visited. I was really excited about the opportunities there. But I do remember my first time coming face to face with acknowledging like race as a thing. And it was at Furman. That's why I bring that up. And I had been made captain as a freshman over a mock trial team, which is very rare, especially at that time. And one of the guys who was going to be on my team, I remember him to this day, um, said to me, like, who do you know? Who do you, like, who do you know here to have gotten this role as a captain? And I was like, I'm a freshman. I don't, I don't know anybody. And I actually didn't. I came to Furman with no classmates of mine, no one that I knew. Um, and he said, well, cause you probably got into Furman in the first place through affirmative action. And I thought, does he know that I graduated with over a 4.0 from high school and that I graduated seventh in my class? Does he know that I'm brilliant? Clearly not, but guess what? I get to be his captain for the next year, so he'll know. <laughs> and, um, but that was my first time. Like I was kind of taken aback because, yeah, I just... I, I can go back. I'm seeing exactly where I was standing and where I was in John's Hall. Um, for me, that was my first experience, at least the one that I can remember. And I think that's when I also started to learn that maybe I need to work harder um, than I already am to show up and prove that I felt almost challenged to prove that what I already knew to be true, that I'm brilliant that I have something to offer, that I'm, I earn every A that is on this report card, um, that I, I'm, I'm magic, right? I'm pure, great. I, I believe that about myself. Um, and I don't think it's pride. I think it's confidence in knowing um, what God has put in me and the fact that I use it. I don't sit on it, right? So, but I felt the need all of a sudden to prove that not because I just wanted to be the best and that, that it became more than a competitive thing. It became almost like I need you to see me the way I see me. And that's not health. That's not, I want to say that's not healthy, but it's not fair to have that burden. In a sense, I did put it on myself, but in a sense, I, it was the way 
that I was made to believe the, the only way these people, this guy, this this white male will see that, no, I don't know anyone. No one did me a favor to get here or to become captain or to do anything. I got here by the same merits as I assume everyone else did. So that was like an experience that I, I will never forget. And I'm looking at my notes. Oh, yeah, I wrote in here my notes. Um, I always worked hard to be the best, but I knew I had to work even harder to be perceived to be half as smart as my white counterparts. And I made sure to write in my notes, this isn't conjecture, it's fact. And it's not up for debate. So that's the life I started living in college, realizing that I had to show up like I couldn't slip up. And it's interesting because I even teach my daughter that now. And I don't know if that's good or bad. Like I said in the thing, I have to tell my daughter if she's running around the store, you can't do that, Zoe, particularly in the areas where we may be, because you running around the store is going to be perceived differently than the cute little girl over there with the blonde curls running around the store. When you do it, it's like, look at that wild child. When she does it, it's like, oh, this is a little girl. And it's really sad to say that, but it's true. So I just I share these things just to share my experiences because I think how we think and feel and perceive is based a lot on our experiences. So um, other things. So that was college and then law school. In law school, I felt that same need to show up twice as better to be considered half as good, but it's also already a competitive place. Um, I remember after my first year of law school, I had so many job opportunities and a good friend of mine, like he didn't say to me that he thought the reason I had all those opportunities was because of my race. But what he did say and what his fiance now wife said to me was, I think the reason he didn't get a job offer was because he's just a white male, which I thought was really interesting, right? I'm like, well, have you looked at the law firms, boo? That's like who's they're filled with. So, which could be her case in point, right? That they want something different. But I was like, there are plenty of white guys who got job offers. Um, I was like, I got job offers because when you look at the first year grades, my grades were great. And the one grade we get was criminal law and I got an A. So they want to hire the people who look like they're going to, you know, have higher grades. Um, but I remember that statement and I was just like, huh, that's an interesting way to spin that. Um, <laughs> right. But that was law school. Um, and I went to the firms and I remember when I arrived, that's the first place where I really felt that pressure more than anything. Like I need to show up here and be five times as good. Because now we're talking about like our career and what we're going to do and being getting these opportunities. Um, and I did that. And after a while, I felt like I'd done that enough. I'd made enough of my name. I mean, and also my grades and my accomplishments that are blind. Like there's no way race is tied to something that's a blind grade, right? Or, you know, blindly making it onto law review and things like that. So I finally got to a place where I felt like I can just be me and not feel this pressure of having to be just as good because I have checked my resume hashtag essentially. Um, but then when I got into the practice of law, so after clerking, get into the actual practice of law and this experience, I feel like we as women globally have felt. And I've shared this exchange with many women 
of all races, white, just every race, right? Um, showing up in the room and being called the paralegal, which absolutely nothing wrong to be a paralegal, um, but essentially saying you clearly can't be the person who's here to be in control and the boss. Um, and that's like I said, I think that's a gender thing first and foremost. Um, so those have been my experiences, and I always shrug those off and say, um, "No, I'm Shantae. I'm the I'm counsel of record here." Blah blah blah. Um, but I just those have been my experiences, and, and I share those because I want to to just let you know, kind of those are the experiences I've had in my life. So some of you may have had far more harsh experiences, no experiences like that at all. But because I believe my perspective on things is shaped by my experiences, I want to share what those are. And then I want you to think about your experiences because I think they shape the way that you think. What are your experiences? How do you feel about who you are? Do you, do you know, you know, who you are? Um, how do you feel about that? And, and what has that looked like all over your life? If you think like I did and say, okay, when did like race become a thing? Um, that I was actually like made to be aware of because I had to really think about that. And and it took me back to that first time really being in college with that comment and that statement. And yeah, it's really interesting to me. And I went on to have a, a relationship all four years with the guy who made that comment to me um, because we worked together on mock trial. But it's just interesting that that still stands out to me to this day. Um, so anyway, um, let me go back through my notes. And actually, I've answered a lot of the things that I've already said, a lot of things that were in my notes. Here's one of the things I wrote down in my notes. Also, I don't want to be anywhere where I'm not welcome. I don't want to go anywhere where women aren't welcome, where people of color aren't welcome. I don't have I don't have a desire to be there. Some people feel differently. Some people say, no, we need to be in those rooms even if we're not welcome, because we need to be in those spaces. And maybe I can think of some areas where that might be true. Um, But when we're talking about in the business world, in the entrepreneur space, if there's, you know, a good old boys club, I don't want to be a part of that. We can make our own thing that's better, right? You need me more than I need you. You don't want me. That's your loss. That's my take on it. And I know there are people who feel differently. Um, but I also have the view that not everywhere is for you. Not everywhere is for me. There are some places where it makes no sense for me to be in that room. Um, because I don't have share the same desires, the same, um, you know, whatever niche you feel. I don't, I'm not, I don't have a desire to be there. And so I also feel like for those places that feel to you or look or appear to be good girl, good old girls club. To the person who feels that way, maybe you don't need to be in that room. Maybe you need to find a room that's celebrating who you are already, because those places may be underserved and those places may be going down because you're trying to run over to the good old girls club where you're, you're clearly not feeling a part of the club. Um, so one, find the place that's already celebrating and championing you And two, if it doesn't exist, maybe you're the one who needs to create that space, right? Um, I have in my notes, I recently saw one of my customers informed me about something that was going on with another company 
Um, because I was wondering why I was getting so many emails coming to me about a particular thing because of Zoe. And she told me about another company that was kind of dealing with some backlash about not being quote unquote inclusive. And there were just all these comments and people commenting about like, you need to be more inclusive. Um, and my take on that was so different. My take was, why would you beg a brand or a company to include you? When you can find a brand or a company that's already out here supporting you and championing you and showing that they represent what matters to you. Because if inclusivity or really anything means something to you, find the place that's already doing it. Stop trying to make the company care about what you care about. When they're consistently showing you themselves that they don't care. This is America where you have the right to be evil within legal boundaries, right? You have the right to be exclusive, but I have the right to not support you financially or otherwise, right? So rather for me, rather than trying to tell some company, include me, include my race, include my gender, include my socioeconomic status. How about I go and find the brand that's already doing that? Because those are the brands that you need to be supporting if that's what matters to you, right? To me, that makes so much sense. But that's how I viewed that whole situation. It was like, I wouldn't be wasting my breath telling somebody how to run their business and their company. I'm going to go find someone who's running their business already with the integrity that I'm looking for, with the, um, that reflect the beliefs and core values. That's why I share my core values. I do that not only to attract people who believe in what I believe, but also to repel people who don't. I talk about integrity and joy and life first, because I want to attract people who believe in that. And I want to repel anyone who doesn't. If all I cared about was, you know, I only want to help one race, then I would talk about that more. I am here to help women, right? So I talk about what it's like to be a woman and motherhood. And I talk about the things that I'm trying to champion. So that was my take. I thought that would be a good example of stop trying to make people include you who clearly are showing you they don't want to because that's what leads to the check in the box because they are doing their thing they want it to be it's homogenous because that's their value that's how they roll and you coming and saying hey you need to do this you need to do this forces them in a sense to be someone they're not to do something they don't feel genuinely led to do And then they start doing the check in the box because they're doing that because, okay, we received so many complaints that we're not having enough diverse people. So we need to bring in at least three diverse people. Go find three diverse people. I don't really care what they talk about. I don't really care what they do, but like make sure they, you know, can walk and talk in a straight line. And that's how you get that cycle. So do you see how that makes sense? At least from my my logic, right? You're trying to make a round peg turn into a square and that's why it doesn't feel or look right I did have a comment from someone who said um, oh I wrote in here one of my listeners sent a message saying that she's found it hard when she attends events because she thinks the content's going to be really helpful but when she gets there she feels isolated she tries to form bonds but she says she never forms those bonds that she sees other people talk about they get at conferences where they leave and they have like a group they found or have really good conversations she says usually there are no speakers that look like her and if there are it's just one 
And she says, I don't attend these conferences based off of color, but what I need to learn, which I think is smart, right? Go to get the information. Um, she says, there are very few hosted by women of color in my industry. And those that are, the investments are too high or travel expenses are way out of my price point. That's another conversation. Um, Cause you, boo, you, you, you gotta, you, that's another conversation. This podcast episode is getting long already. Um, but she wrote, and this was what really kind of hurt my heart when she says, I don't seem to make the connections that other women seem to make even when I try. And for me, it then plays into my thinking and I get into my own head and tell myself, well, if your peers don't recognize your worth, why would a client? This is what happens when you try to make a square, a round peg. It doesn't just affect the person who comes and doesn't see themselves represented. It doesn't affect them just by saying, okay, I don't see myself represented. What happens then is you attract other people to your conference who are like you. And so the homogeneity, is that a word? <laughs> the homogeneousness, right? Is seeped into the attendees. And then you have these other women who feel excluded, even when they try to make connections. And then it bores doubts in their minds, not only about themselves, but their work. They came to be edified at your conference or your event or in your presence. They came to learn something and to be built up, but they leave discouraged. And to me, if I were a leader of an event, that would crush me because I would imagine that's not the goal. So if you are a conference leader, if you are a business owner and you're just trying to check a box, I want to invite you to stop doing that. Do you the way you want to do it. Because when you just try to check a box, you end up hurting more people than doing then you end up hurting more people than if you just kept it homogenous right when she wrote that like she left a conference because she couldn't make connections with the people now i don't know if that if she was introverted and how she tried i don't know any of these this these facts right but she says she it left her not only feeling like my, my peers don't even recognize my worth why would a client that that crushes me so but i do have a message to you, to my message to the woman who feels underrepresented, who feels ignored and belittled, who feels like, you know, diversity is used to fill a quota. You got to own your own magic. First and foremost, you have to know that you were born worthy. We all were, to be clear. You and every woman on the planet was born with purpose and promise. Yes, we all have different resources, circumstances, things that shape us, um, things that may put some ahead and some back. But I think part of my success in overcoming anything that might there and maybe even not even seeing some obstacles that were in my way or seeing some prejudices that were put against me, maybe I, my blinders were on was because I had a mom who told me I could believe I could do anything and I believed her. I had a mom who told me whatever it is I wanted to do, I could do it, right? And I believed her. And so for that reason, you know, I don't need words of affirmation. I w- I'm grateful for, for kind words, but I don't, that's not my love language because I believe in me. I believe in the God who created me. And that's where my confidence comes from, right? 
And I want to give that to you, anybody listening, I don't care whatever color your skin is, like you are the magic. And anyone who doesn't see that, that's their loss. Keep it moving. But particularly to the person who wrote this to me and said that you left feeling defeated, deflated, and questioning your own worth. And why would a client see your worth if peers, your peers didn't? Don't go back to that type of environment. If you think the investment is too high to travel to these events that you think are hosted by women of color, it sounds like to me that you paid a, a far greater price by going to this other event. It wasn't a financial price, but it was a, a huge blow to your confidence and you questioning your worth. To me, that's far hard, too high of a price to pay ever. So my message to you, the person who feels ignored, belittled, underrepresented, if you're a circle, find your circle people. And that doesn't mean find people who look like you. That means find the people who are going to see the value in you. This group just wasn't it. And that's why I say I have to start looking at the leaders of these things, because the leaders are going to attract people like them, right? If I brought together a group of women, I'd like to believe those group of women reflect a lot of the values that I have, or at least are aspiring to. So if I'm petty and biased and nasty, I'm going to attract a group of negative, petty, nasty people. And if some of the positive, nice people come in, they're going to get swarmed and eaten by that group. So to the leaders now, and this is of any race, right? Who are listening. I'm going to get to you in a minute, actually. Hold on. Let me finish talking to the first woman. If you don't respect your worth, no one else is going to. I need you to lift your shoulders up, walk confidently Charge what you're worth and show up consistently because that's so important, right? We can't come into a room with our shoulders down and you're not owning who you are. And I know for some people, it's a lot easier said than done. But for the people who feel like you only see one type of face of success in the creative space or in whatever space you're in, I see you. I don't decide whether or not you're worthy based on what you do or what you look like rather I look at your work so show up and work show up and do the thing that you were created to do that you love to do and let that speak for itself and then find people who value that and stay away from everything else right and to the leader out there who is I'm gonna get back to you. Hold on. (laughs) I keep saying that. Um, I have in my notes, stop asking other people to invite you to their slumber party who don't want you on the list. Find a place that's already celebrating you or create the space for yourself. You become the invitor and stop waiting to be the invitee because I think that's really important also. Stop asking other people to invite you to their slumber party who don't want your name on the list. And it could be for malice or it could just be because they you're just not a fit. I don't want to be in a room where I'm not welcome. I don't want to be in a room where my people aren't welcome. Meaning if women aren't welcome in the room, I don't want to be in the room. Now, again, I know there's some situations where that has to be different, but I'm talking about in the entrepreneur space. If 
people from the South aren't welcome in the room, then I don't want to be in the room because I'm from the South. If you don't like hearing the word y'all, I'm not welcome there. If you don't like sweet tea mixed with lemonade, you know, so I think that's just really important. First and foremost, I think what has happened, part of the problem is, and so this is a takeaway I want you to really get. Part of the problem is we have asked people to be something they're not. And they're forced then to be someone they're not. And that means bringing people that they otherwise wouldn't have for the sake of quote unquote inclusivity or diversity. My response is, don't do that. You be you, boo. I won't be there, but I wish you all the best with your group of people. And that's how I think we get away from the diversity checkbox because I think it it might come from what appears to that person as a good place, but really they're just trying to placate you. You ever had your child like keep asking you something over and over and over and you're like, okay, fine. I'm going to give you this little, you've been asking for an inch or a mile. I'm going to give you an inch just to make you shut up. That's what that is to me. That's what a diversity checkbox is. I don't want that. So that's my thoughts on that. Now to the woman, I kept pushing it off. To the woman on the other end, right? To the woman asking these questions about how do I avoid being perceived incorrectly? How do I avoid making it seem like I'm checking a box? How do I have these conversations? My first thing to you to tell you is to check your heart. If you honestly don't care about finding great, talented women of different backgrounds to work with, then don't do it. You're going to appeal to a lot of people because guess what? There are a lot of other people just like you. But don't play halfsies. I can't stand people who play halfsies, right? One foot in, one foot out. Don't play checkbox, diversity checkbox. It's offensive and you will be found out. And it's just plain out gross. And we know when it's happened. We may not know until after the fact, but we know. I knew when it happened to me. So either care about it and maybe start. I heard a guy say this this weekend. Um, He wasn't talking to me, so I didn't say anything. But he was talking to a friend about adoption. He's a white male. His wife is a white woman. And he said, you know, well, I would never adopt an African-American child because I don't have any African-American friends. And I feel like that's unfair to the child. I thought to myself, huh, I don't know if that's the dumbest thing I ever heard or if he actually really makes a good point. That's that's really what I thought at first. Because I was like, you mean to tell me you don't think there's any African-Americans in the world where you live that you might actually want to be friends with or start to create a community around so that if you truly wanted a child, you could adopt whomever comes your way? Or is he being generous and thinking to himself, you know, I want I would want that person to have people around. I wasn't sure how I felt. That was my those were my initial questions and my initial thoughts. But you know what? He wasn't playing halfsies. He just made a decision and stuck with it. So for that, I will give him some credit. Don't play halfsies. That's my advice. Like if you truly, like he'd had a stance. He says, I don't want to adopt this. So boom, I'm not going to do that. Playing halfsies ends up hurting a lot of people. Playing diversity checkbox, I believe is evil and nasty and It hurts more people. You think you're doing it to placate. But when that person finds out, the speaker, the the 
breakout leader, the the person who came to see that person, you still are putting them in an environment where they're not welcome. Don't do that. If you just want to create a pretty room filled with people who look like you, then do that because there's so many people who also want that, whether it's subconsciously or intentionally, right? Create the space you truly desire, be who you really are, and let let everyone else kind of find the place that's for them. That's that's those are my thoughts. I have more, but right now my timer says over an hour and my editor has to go through all this. But I really would value your thoughts on this conversation. What did I say today that you disagree with, agree with, have more questions about, need something explained a little bit more? I'm happy to have this conversation. It is about business. It is about life. It is about joy. But if we as adults can't have conversations that don't feel as running through the meadows with the flowers as others. What could we for? How are we really impacting lives and making ourselves better? I welcome the conversation because there could be some viewpoints that I'm missing. And I shared my experiences so that you could hear whatever biases I may be coming from. Because we all have them. So I look forward to hearing from you. Thank you so much if you have listened all this way. And thank you for the many of you who have commented before this episode even came out about how happy you are about this conversation. I will say it's probably about 50-50 women of color and women not of color who have come and been so enthusiastic about this conversation. So I'm going to make a post on Instagram. I want you to come share with me. I want you to tag me on Instagram as you listen to this episode. Share this with a friend you know needs to hear it. And maybe for that person who was saying, how do I have this conversation? Start by sharing this episode with them. It's a good way to start, good place to start because it puts it on me. I can be the conversation starter because that's really what I want this to be. And then join me over in the circle of success where we're going to go live. And maybe even if we have enough interest, have a Zoom call and talk. ShantaeGrant.com forward slash circle. You can find the show notes today at ShantaeGrant.com forward slash 93. And, um, Thank you again for, for joining me today. It was a different conversation, but I'm grateful to have the confidence now in what I do and knowing that I can show up and talk about what matters to me and trust that those who um, no longer want to be in my world know where the unfollow button is and those who want to stay around and have the conversation um, and love me all the more can stay right around. All right, friends. Until next week, thank you for being a part of this conversation today. I will see you on the next episode of the Business Life Enjoy podcast. I hope that wherever you are and whatever you are doing, that the sound of my voice finds you in the midst of pursuing something that has sincere meaning to you. You can find a brand new episode of the Business Life Enjoy podcast each and every Monday morning waiting just for you at ShantaeGrant.com forward slash podcast. And remember, the very best way to say thank you for the podcast is by sharing the content with a friend and tagging me on Instagram to let me know you're listening. Until next time, my friend, may your business and your life be filled with joy. Bye for now. Bye for now.